Hi there, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to today's episode of the Strategy in Leadership podcast. My name is Anthony Taylor. In this podcast, we interview senior leaders and thought leaders to get their best practices on leading teams, creating and executing strategy, and fostering the culture within an organization that works. My guest is Lisa Ryan. In our podcast today, she's going to go over her thanks process for increasing employee engagement and how to keep people. She talks about the crazy ROI and cost of losing or rehiring an employee. I actually never knew that it was this high and shares some you know, lessons learned from going through the process of making both positive and, you know, what you might consider hard decisions in your organization as it relates to talent and retention. It's a really, really cool podcast, definitely a lot to take away. There's a huge benefit in doing this. I know that we've talked about, you know, retention and disengagement from an employee perspective, but if you're a leader and you manage people, you can make your value increase to a multiplier um, just by doing these couple things and it will add huge, huge value to your organization, you know, make a big driver to the culture and really have a huge impact. So really uh, encourage you to listen close to this podcast. Lisa was a super fun conversation to have with her and I really hope it helps you and your people thrive in your work environment. Enjoy. Lisa, how are you today? I am fantastic. Thanks. Thank you. It's awesome to have you on here. So what it says on your LinkedIn is you specialize in manufacturing trade associations, helping your members keep their top talent from leaving. So I know that you're a seasoned speaker, seasoned presenter, obviously with your CSP designation, but can you tell our listeners a little bit about you and then we'll get into our conversation today? Oh, sure. Yeah, I actually started my career as an executive recruiter, one of the few people on the planet who can actually say they sold their mother. (laughs) Mom hated that job, but I said, mother, you've got to stay there at least 90 days because I have a guarantee and I can't afford to give back the commission I made on you. So mom was there for two and a half years. She was good. From there, I went into industrial sales where I I sold electrical cord and cable by phone. And then I went into the welding industry for seven years. And yes, I do weld. And from there, I went into healthcare. So from what I'm doing now as a speaker, is as an executive recruiter, I knew what it took to remove an employee from one company and place them into another company. And being around manufacturing, and I mean, I was in the salt mines and the steel mills, and I loved seeing how things are made. And I also truly believe that we need to change the conversation when it comes to manufacturing and the trades and getting people out of that you must go to college mentality because we need people in the trades and because we don't have the luxury anymore of having lots and lots of people looking for work once my clients or once anybody spends so much time money and effort to find that perfect person to work for them they have to figure out ways to keep them because turnover is expensive and it really can make a huge damage to your company culture if you have this turn and burn because you're not taking care of your people correctly. Obviously, there's a need for people that is getting, I want to say, worse before it gets better. There's a shifting sort of paradigm in terms of the approach to hiring and how people are 
going into their education and then their careers. And then your cost of what that takes to keep an employee, train an employee. And I find it so fascinating that you are on the I guess, other side of it, you were on the bad side or the the other team, and then you shifted over to helping people like that. What have those conversations been like as you talk to people that are dealing with those challenges that you mentioned? And then, you know, what is what is their thinking now around talent and talent acquisition, talent retention? And then what are some of the things that you you share with them to sort of, you know, create a new world around retaining their people? Well, in my um, most requested program, my signature program, I go through the thanks process. You know, I'm an acronym girl, so that, you know, I'll just give you a brief overview of what's in there because all of this, depending on who I'm talking to and stuff, it all works. Number one, the T is for building trust because the thing is, a lot of times people will go and they'll try out all these different things. They'll go to a seminar. They'll learn something new. They come back to the plant. They try it out. It doesn't work in the first three hours that they start implementing it, and they give up, and the next week they bring in another bright, shiny object. So what we need to do is to have those conversations to commit to one idea, to commit to our teams to let them know that this really is change. We're really focused on culture and we really want to make your employee experience better. The H is for helping your employees and that's really investing in them, not just on the job skills that they need, but investing in them personally because people want to be better tomorrow than they are today. So whether it be a public speaking course or financial courses or something, they just feel that they're more than just an employee ID number, that helps to keep them. And people say, well, why should I invest in my employees? You know, they're just going to leave anyway. And I just come back and say, well, what if you don't invest in them, you know, and they stay? (laughs) Is that the people you want working for you? The A to acknowledge to applaud the efforts of the people who work for you. And this is the easiest, least cost, and most effective thing that you can do. Because too many times in business, we're always focusing on what's wrong, what's wrong, what's broken, what needs to be fixed. Whereas when things are going well, we don't even notice, well, that's the way they're supposed to go. So Mm. we don't acknowledge that. And we need to start catching people doing things well. That just in itself will make a huge difference. The end, navigating work-life integration. Because of the smartphone, we are on 24-7. We are always on access. So we have to figure out ways to create those relationships to give people more time back because that's the most important gift that we can give to people. The K is we get to know them. You know, do they like public acknowledgement? Do they rather have a one-on-one? What kind of candy do they like? What kind of gift cards do they like? You know, we get to know them as pers- as people because there isn't one-size-fits-all approach. And then the S is to serve a greater mission. You know, what are you as an organization doing to make a difference in your community, to make a difference to your people, to make a difference to the world? And looking at things like giving people time off for volunteer opportunities or just ways to connect that when it comes to business, we've never really thought about before because it's like it's business. It's that, you know, that's why they call it work. Okay, got that. You know? But 
you still have to figure out ways to look at the personal end of the people who work for you to really have a successful, engaging culture. So if we take all of those things, because, you know, on one hand, I'm like, yes, these all sound good. And it's one of those things that you read or can read in a book and say, I know I need to do that. And, you know, if you're the CEO and you're trying to get things moving and you go in and three hours later, it doesn't work. You know, what have what have you seen that has worked or maybe what are some things that you've seen that need to be avoided if you're trying to implement that? Because obviously, you know, cultures get created over days and years. And if you want to transform that culture to have one of a greater, you know, appreciation, greater trust navigating that work-life integration, getting to know people, you know, what are some of the barriers that you've seen people have to overcome in a practical sense? And what have you seen tangibly implemented, you know, some success stories that people have put through that our listeners can take? And if they do bring it into their organizations tomorrow, they can start seeing results right away. The first thing is that culture took a long time to develop, and it doesn't change overnight. So the thing that I'm most remind my clients of is this is not something that's going to happen quickly because first we have to develop that trust with our employees that this is just not another program. You know, engagement is not an event. It's a process. So a lot of times I'll have my clients start with the apology approach of just coming up and saying, you know, guys, I have not been letting you know how much I appreciate you lately, and I'm going to make a more concentrated effort to do that, you know, to give them resources. A lot of times the training dollars or the dollars that they invest to bring me in, you know, I'm working with the leadership teams, and that's certainly something is important because if it doesn't start at the top, it doesn't take hold. But when the leadership team will also bring me in to work with the people in the shop, to work with the people in the plant, uh, you know, the hourly employees that a lot of times we don't give a second thought to because they're not, you know, on that upwardly mobile track. They're not our emerging leaders. But until you invest in them and give them some resources and some ways to look at the world a little bit differently, you know, something may spark in that employee and you just found your future rock star that if you hadn't taken the time to let them know that they were important, you might not have ever seen. I work with a couple of the community colleges around here. One of the programs that I was doing for them is part of one of their leadership certification programs, It's like an eight program course. I was teaching one of them, I think for that one, I was doing presentation skills, maybe. I don't know. I do a couple of them for them. Anyway, this one guy walks in and he's younger. He's probably in his early 20s. And he was beaming when we went around the room and we asked, you know, why are you here? What do you do? The fact that his boss invested in him to send him to this training, to not only give him the time off during the day to come and take this program, but also to pay him while he was there. You know, and to the respect that he was getting and the personal power that he felt because he felt this was the first time in his career. Now, mind you, his career hadn't been that long because he was young, but there was something about him that his manager saw and took the time to invest in him. And I tell you, that'll pay off. So one of that company's competitors comes along and tries to steal that kid for 50 cents or a dollar more an hour. There's no way he's leaving. Because he sees something. 
I just spoke at a uh, equipment distributors conference this week, and they actually recognized their techs. They had the te- technician award, which in construction, techs are some of the hardest people to find and keep really good ones. They're, they're critical for the success of a business because they keep the equipment running. And these companies had to nominate their techs for this award. The eight techs that won the award got to come to Chicago. They were recognized with a plaque on stage. I mean, one of these guys brought his whole family with him, brought his mom with him. You know, <laughs> they got all dressed up to see him get this award. It's a big deal. And we, when we take the time to recognize the people that, you know, maybe we hadn't recognized before or maybe we don't think we need to recognize, the difference that that makes can be absolutely huge. Absolutely. So, I mean, you talked a lot about, you talked a lot of things there. They're trying to unpack it all, but obviously, you know, the it's not just about the paying a little bit extra for the salary, but, you know, using those acknowledgements, those conversations, those development opportunities to create what we'll call like, you know, I say an economic moat, but I guess in that would be like a hiring moat to stop people from, from poaching you, but, and then obviously like making a difference for them. Well, what you started off talking was the apology. And that really struck me because, you know, I just had, I, I had some clients in the construction industry and, you know, sometimes it's like a tough industry. How does it go over when you have somebody who's had the culture that you said have has been created for years and years and years, and when some of this stuff is sort of opposite to the culture or the way that they've done things historically in their organization or even been trained by their people on how to do that? Like, how do you sort of break down that, I'm going to call it conditioning, for lack of a better word? You know what? It's unfortunate But the companies that need me the most, that need this kind of programming the most, are the least likely to bring me in. When I do a program and I have somebody come up to me afterwards and like, oh, my God, my company really needs you. I know that there's a very small chance that that would ever happen because the companies that are doing it are the ones that are already doing things well and want to do things better. There's too many times if you, well, this is the way we've always done business. Stupid, this isn't going to work. This is an HR thing. Um, you know, I don't have anything to do with it. Or they'll bring in a trainer. They'll bring in a facilitator for the day, a you know, workshop, whatever. And management will be there. But they'll be sitting on our computers doing emails at the back, not paying a lick of attention. And employees see that and they're like, well, you know, if they don't have to do it, why should I have to be here? Mm. It has to be a real commitment. And even if your company has been, you know, has not been a shining example of employee engagement and you want to change that, you have some work set out for you. But it's still having those conversations and realizing that the time, that by the time you, you get that trust going and you start to have these conversations and you're showing people that you've made the commitment to do it, it's still going to take some time, but it can be done. But it is a 100% commitment to doing it for the long term. This is not something you try for a month. You do a survey. You get the results. You don't like the, resp- the results. You don't share them. Or you get to do the survey and then the employees don't hear anything about the survey for eight months or nine months later. 
like, well, why should I do another survey? You didn't tell me anything about what, what happened last time. So I hear, I mean, obviously a lot of the commitment to it, but you know, it, it has to be a, it has to be a genuine, I want to do this because I want to do this. Otherwise it won't stick or it'll seem disingenuous Correct. for that to happen. And, you know, like you said, the ones that are the ones that need it the most are the ones that are least likely to change because it's, you know, it's a lot easier to just do the things the way you've been doing it. So obviously, you know, outside of the fact that it's, you know, sort of the new way to do business, we know that employees are disengaged. I've talked about it ad nauseum on the podcast already. In your experience, you know, what's the cost of hiring somebody? What's the cost of losing somebody? If the the feeling of it doesn't motivate them, maybe we can hit them where it hurts in the pocketbook. What is the benefit cost-wise of, you know, implementing this thanks process into their organization? Well, to lose an employee, you could be doing, you could be looking at anywhere from, oh man, there's so many numbers all over the place, but you know, from one to five times salary of what you're paying that person. If you have an hourly person, a $16,000 a year person will cost you about $16,000 to find another person. Okay. So we're talking just the hourly team. But if you're looking in management, you know, you have somebody in leadership that's making $50,000 a year, you know, it could be four times that. So by the time that you do all the interviewing, you do the onboarding, you do everything that goes into that, and then you keep your fingers crossed and hope and pray that this person is a good fit for your culture, they're a good fit for your team, and they work out, and they don't get poached by the competition, it's a huge deal. One of the things that that's really important is when you have that really toxic, disengaged person, you need to find a way to get rid of that person, legally, morally, ethically, all of that stuff, documentation. But I ask my audiences all the time, when you have that horrible, toxic person that literally is sucking the life out of the room when they're there and people start to leave, you know, who leaves? Your best employees or your worst employees. And without question, every single time, well, it's your best employees. Those people are expensive. I did one program and we went through the thanks process and it was just so funny because at the end of the program, I, you know, I go around the room and say, what are you going to do as a result of our time together? <laughs> there was one room, woman in the audience. She's like, well, I guess I'm going to go fire this guy on Monday because mm-hmm. she, he was such a toxic influence. She's done everything that she could to try to work with him. But unfortunately, you know, she was under the fear that, well, if we get rid of him, he's been with the company, he knows where all the skeletons are. You know, we need that body in there. We don't have enough help to begin with. But yeah, but if if he's taking away from the productivity of the rest of the team, believe me, they'll figure it out. So we just look for who are the people that are working out, you know, the the people that are doing things well, how can we get them to do more of the things that they do well? How can we do more promotions from within instead of always bringing in people from the outside? Now, sometimes that's not a bad idea. You know, you bring in new blood, you give somebody else the opportunity, you know, um, to take a look at things from the outside. But when you can show that you're taking people and there's actually some mobility within the organization, whether it be upward mobility or just lateral, 
but you're giving people the opportunity to do different things in the organization, again, you're going to get more out of them and you'll have a more consistent, cohesive team. Absolutely. And I just find it, well, it's easy to say, but I think it really serves as a great reminder for all of you that are like, oh yeah, that person, you all have that person. And in the years I've been doing strategy development, and I'm sure Lisa, you have the same experience. Every time people have made that tough decision, even though it's been a decision they've been sitting on for sometimes years, that when we follow up with them, you know, months, weeks, years after, everybody has said that it's been the right decision. That while it was tough in the beginning, it took a lot of consideration. Ultimately, like the good outweighed the bad and it created a lasting effect with the culture, with the productivity and just with the engagement of all employees. And, you know, I couldn't have said it better in, in terms of it's always the good employees that leave because the bad ones are causing problems. And yeah. Last thing that I found really, you know, shocking really is in terms of the multiplier of the benefit of, or the, I guess, challenge of keeping a bad employee or losing an employee. You know, if you look at a manager as a senior leader, and let's say your salary is 60000 or 100000 or whatever it is, and then you say, well, how can I actually make this cost up to the company? You know, how can I be the most valuable? And to think that the work that you do in terms of the thanks process, being grateful, building trust, you know, which is a portion of your work, can actually, that alone can provide such a huge multiplier in terms of the ROI that you bring to the company and it doesn't cost any money it just means that you have to like put it in terms of your management practice in terms of your leadership practice and incorporate that within how you do things on a day-to-day basis it's you know whether it's part of your strategic plan or just part of your learning and development plan it's got to be top of mind and it sounds like lisa that's really the key to make it stick is it's got to be a thing that you're you're committed to but i mean it's really hard to argue with the the roi of it Right, exactly. And it has to be a sincere commitment. That's the thing. People think that, well, if I just thank my people a couple times, I can pay them less money and, you know, and I can just, ah, thanks, whatever. And that's, it's really being sincere about it because employees know when you're not. And if you have managers who aren't on board and who won't get on board, you know, you have to make the decision whether or not that person should be on your leadership team. You know, this this is not always easy stuff, but like you just said, not only is it good from the standpoint of when the company releases that toxic person, but a lot of times that's exactly what needed to be done to that for that person, for them to kind of get, you know, figure out what their next move is. Mm-hmm. You know, some of them are going to stay stuck, but a lot of times... I mean, I've been fired several times in my career, (laughs) and it was always um, the last one. There was 12 of us at the same time in my medical sales job that we all got canned via group conference call. But that was, even though that was devastating, I was making good money, I was completely out of the blue. But if it was between me and the Columbus rep getting fired, they chose the right person because Heather is still at the company. She's doing great. You know, she's winning sales trips and stuff. And I have an extremely successful, profitable business that I absolutely love. And I didn't love that job, you know, but I kind of had those golden handcuffs on. So even though I don't think any manager on the planet likes to fire anybody, 
Because the thing is that even when they fire somebody, they know it's just not that toxic employee they're firing. It's like they're taking food out of the mouths of that employee's children and affecting their their wives and their you know their families and stuff. So it's not an easy process. But if we look at number one, the good for our business, and number two, the ultimate good for that person that you're now giving them the opportunity to, to move on, to do something else with their life, because they're just, for whatever reason, aren't a good fit for you, and you can't afford to let that person bring you down. That's awesome. And, I, you know, it's really that you have to do it is your duty, your job, but really your duty as an employee to make the best decision for the company, even if it takes a tough decision to make it. So I really appreciate that you've given people the permission to do that, because that's, you know, sometimes you take it for granted. You're like, oh, that's my job, but it's hard. It's like, well, yeah, but that's why you get paid the, you know, air quotes, the big bucks in there and, and to right. make the decisions <laughs> that, uh, that, that people need to make. But, you know, people often land on their feet but it's again it's a it's a business thing and it's personal but i think if you approach it in an authentic manner with care due diligence and you've you know done all the right things you know the things that are required under law but then also you know what you see is to be done as a manager and a leader i think it makes those decisions easier to have done what i can and now it's it's you know on to that next step there so Lisa, where can people uh, get a hold of you, learn more about your programs, and, and get engaged with some of your content? Sure. Um, my website is Lisa Ryan Speaks, Lisa, R-Y-A-N, speaks.com. I can be reached. My email is Lisa at Gratigy, G-R-A-T-E-G-Y.com. And I have tons of videos on YouTube. You know, I have lots of stuff, uh, employee engagement resources on LinkedIn, um, I believe that is Ask Lisa Ryan on LinkedIn is my profile there. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really easy to find on social media. <laughs> Lisa Ryan CSP, that's that's the one that you can find on uh, on, on LinkedIn. And, uh, you know, one of the things we didn't get a chance to talk about today, but I just think it's really important for leaders as you look and as, as sort of things evolve in, in 2020 is really the fact that there's different generations in the workforce and how you lead millennials is going to be different than how you manage Gen X and Gen Z and how everybody's needs are different. And so if you're really interested in, in digging deep and getting realize what's important to people. So like uh, Lisa says, you know, the end part of her thanks, getting to know them and serving a greater mission, you know, everybody has a different desire for what fulfills them in life, whether they're depending on their stage in life and depending on what sort of their internal and external motivators are. So I highly recommend you check out Lisa uh, for more information on that because it'll make a huge, huge difference to your bottom line. Uh, and, uh, you know, if today's an any, any indication, a really easy and digestible way to uh, to get that information. So Lisa, thank you so, so much for sharing with us today. Uh, I really enjoyed our conversation and I, I think it's gonna make a huge difference to a lot of people. So thanks for, for making the time for you're very welcome. My guest today it has been Lisa Ryan, CSP, who is the founder and chief appreciation strategist at Gratigy LLC. You can find her on LinkedIn, linkedin.com slash ask Lisa Ryan, and you can Google her for some of her great resources. 
This has been the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. My name is Anthony Taylor. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please be sure to rate it five stars on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. You can also follow some more of our content on YouTube. And if you have somebody who's dealing with HR challenges or really trying to make that tough decision in terms of people or who really wants to elevate uh, their people capacity because retention and attraction is such an important part of their business, be sure to send them the podcast today. It'll make a huge difference for them and it'll make a huge difference for everybody that they work with and who they hire. Once again, Anthony Taylor, this has been the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us and until next time. If you're getting ready to lead the strategic planning process yourself, be sure to check out our strategic planning toolkit. It has video walkthroughs to guide you through each step in the planning process from vision to action planning. We'll also have workbooks and downloads to document your plan and best practices to help get your team bought in so the plan gets executed successfully. You can get instant access to all the tools, all the templates, and all the downloads at smestrategy.net slash course.